tonight on the Big Footy Cats podcast. I'm joined by SJ, Pure Ownage and The Jester to discuss the recent delistings, trader players and new recruits. Don't go anywhere because all that and more is coming right up. Three, two, one, Mark. My name is Gyson. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Big Footy Cats podcast. Joining me tonight, he tells me he's far more optimistic about the state of the list than Partridge's, but I do have my doubts. It's SJ. Welcome all. Yes, certainly. Uh, I think I'm just probably one tier above Partridge at the moment, um, but yeah, happy <laughs> to be on the show. Welcome back. Coming to you all the way from Jakarta, Indonesia, it's the Jester. G'day, mate. Um, yeah, I reckon I'm the tier above that. Forward <laughs> to talking about it. I like it. And last but not least, still recovering from the departure of Alan Christensen, it's Pure Ownage. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. And yeah, I'll be I'll be the glass half full guy since since everyone else is going to be a pessimist <laughs> on the show tonight. Well, for what it's worth, I'm forever the optimist, so I'm hopefully that evens things out. You keep smiling. Yeah. Right. Now we'll kick things off with a look at the delisted players, of which this season rookies included. There were eight players told they need to find a new home. Um, we'll start with two young midfielders and one not-so-young midfielder who played a combined 20 games with the club over the last five seasons. That's Jesse Stringer, Jordan Schroeder, and Jackson Sheringham. I'll go to you to kick us off, uh, TJ. Uh, yeah, well, I guess um, all three are similar in that they had um, they sort of had cameos um, during the last couple of seasons, Sheringham playing more as a um, small defender off the rookie list. And I guess um, certainly... For Stringer and Sheringham, at times I thought they they showed a little bit, but but by the end of end of this season, I think you know felt comfortable putting a line through them. Um, Stringer had a had a nice run of form, and then he had a um an off field incident, um and and I don't think ever really recovered um from that. And then um, Sheringham, I didn't mind as a player, but he just he got bumped off the ball so easily. I thought in his last few games, and it's and it's hard to be a small defender if you can't physically match it with others. I guess the other one is Schroeder. Um, he's a bit different. He won the Liston Medal not uh, this season, but last season in the VFL. I look came to the club as a sort of um, goal kicking midfielder who'd who'd carried the Colter Cannons um, while Tom Liberatore and Mitch Wallace were off playing school footy. Um, and he just I'm a bit disappointed by about his departure. I thought he potentially could have played as a sort of small half forward who could who could do stints in midfield, but um, probably struggled a bit building up his endurance, and and it feels like maybe Lincoln McCarthy went past him on the depth chart. Um, so yeah, I thought it was very interesting at the start of the season. You sort of looked at um, Stringer, Schroeder, and George Hall and Smith, um, thinking which one of these players is going to step up with Joel Corey leaving um, and take that extra spot in the midfield. And you know, George Hall and Smith's almost cemented his spot in the twenty-two, whereas the other two have found themselves delisted. Um, and Sheringham, of course, well for the last two or three seasons, I guess, he's just been depth there, really, and his time came to an end. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think I think the thing about Hall and Smith is, 
you know, the major knock on him is his pace, but otherwise he's a smart footballer. And, and I mean, we really saw this year he can go forward and kick goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kicks some beautiful that um, that goal against Carlton where he roved it off the pack and and sort of snapped the check side. You know, really dangerous. And so I, I guess Schroeder was probably never going to displace him. And and you, there's only so many really slow midfielders you can carry in a side. What did you think about the uh, departure of these fleet players, Pierre? Uh, yeah, I, look, I would pretty much concur with guys, and I think. Stringer was very promising in 2012, but after he had his off-field suspension, he never, I mean, I know he had a few injuries last year, but he never really looked like the same player. I thought he played, it was funny, he played that Carlton game this year where we um, were terrible and somehow pinched it um, thanks to that Selwood goal. He, you know, he had a really good 10 minutes as a sub, probably the best 10 minutes he's had in years, but other than that, I thought he'd really reached his ceiling. And I think, you know, with guys like Hall and Smith coming on, it had gone past him. And Sheringham was on his third year on the rookie list. He was never going to get past that. I agree with TJ. Schroeder was the one that surprised me. I think, um, you know, I, I, I still think he could be a capable AFL player somewhere. But I do probably agree with the concept that you can't really play him and Hall and Smith in the same midfield. And maybe because they're just both very, very slow. Um, and that's probably the main reason for his demise. But I liked him as a player. I'm sad to see him go of the three. SJ, do you have anything to add there? Uh, just very quickly, I think probably they were all competent footballers but didn't quite have enough um, tricks or differences to make it as a, a you know a consistent AFL player. Um, no doubt they're going to be pretty, pretty handy at lower leagues going forward. Yep, definitely. Um, moving on, we'll go to two players who spent quite a bit of time on the list. Um, both joined the club in the 2008 National Draft, and that's Taylor Hunt and Mitch Brown. And SJ, we'll go back to you here. Yeah, the old uh, 08 draft, that 2008 <laughs> year is looking... Um, I mean, if it wasn't already Big a curse thing. for us Cats fans, it's pretty much dead now. Um, Motlop's the only one left from the draft um, for us now. Um, we've already lost Brown, Gillies, Hunt, Bar- Adam Varco, Weed, and all right... Eddie Wikirama. Um, oh, look, I guess in some ways they're sort of similar similar um, stories, um, although Taylor Hunt obviously got a lot more opportunities. Um, as in, they both, really, when they played, I, I thought they were pretty handy most of the time, and yet after six senior years on the list, they're, they're sort of cut. Um, look, I think Mitch Brown... Almost everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for him in his career. He spent the first couple of years barely getting a game at any level after being a, a real bolter for the draft. I don't think he was talked about at all until um, a couple of months before before the draft. Uh, yeah, I think he grew up a lot in the last couple of months and all of a sudden was a, a key position player. Um, broke a leg, had shoulder problems, was really skinny, couldn't put on any, on any weight. And then by about 2010, 2011, 2012, he was kicking bags of goals in the reserves, but couldn't get a game because there were so many players in front of him. Um, and then, you know, the time comes 2013, 2014, and people have gone past him. So, um, I look, I've seen him play live quite a bit in the reserves and at AFL level. I think he's got a lot of talent in terms of reading the play and foot skills. Um, he's probably not strong enough to ever play as a key position player. 
I'm not sure if that's ever going to change if it hasn't after six or seven years. Um, I'm sad to see him go because I always thought he had a lot of potential and never really got a good run at it. Um, probably never got any... Probably had the worst run at it in terms of talent versus opportunity that I can think of. Um, when you think that sort of even Kirsten got 10 consecutive games this year and Mitch Brown's got 15 in six years or something. Um, yeah. So sad to see him go. Taylor Hunt's Taylor Hunt reminds me of the story of Trent West where he was sort of first couple of years got no games and then he was basically a lock for three years in a row. Um, I think he played something like 56 games out of 62 or something in the seniors and then cut and then gone. Um, So I'm not sure quite what's happened there. I think, look, he never seemed to quite regain his form after breaking the collarbone last year. And then it was just a matter of look, this player is capable but has some weaknesses at senior level. Um, foot skills, maybe one, maybe a little bit soft. Um, and just found himself out of the team and never got back. And um, clearly the, the club's looking elsewhere. So, I, look, for me, I, I'm always sad to see players go, but particularly when quite a lot of time and games are being invested into them, um, when they should be at the peak of their powers. Um in some ways, it sort of seems like a bit of a waste to me, but clearly the club's got um, a, a new strategy and um, is, is yeah, taking sort of the brutal approach to, to players who maybe don't have a bigger ceiling as others. Uh, Jester? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll say stuff the haters. I'm an unashamed Mitch Brown fan. And... <laughs> And and Estra's right, you know, he, he dominated games at VFL level in a way that I think his critics perhaps don't um, give him full credit for. Like he would, he you know, he kicked bags of goals regularly, and then but could play at the other end and take ten marks out of centre half back. That said, you know, he he never did cement a um, a key position spot, and maybe you know, maybe that's opportunity. Maybe he's just not good enough. Whatever the case, it, it's sort of. Um, I'll shout out to Man Boob and say, you know, he was he was a big critic of Brown, but also made the point that at some point you either have to play a guy or you have to get rid of him. You can't just per- yeah. perpetuate on the list. And I agree with that. And Brown had probably reached that point. And I and I think and I think Hunt probably had to a point as well in that. Oh, we'll t- we'll talk about this a bit more later. But I mean, I I'm disappointed because I thought he was a tidy player, but I wasn't convinced by him as a tagger. I wasn't convinced by him as a small defender. And and they seemed he seemed to have slipped so far down in the depth chart that again you go well is he going is he going to get radically better probably not and so you would rather give the games to younger players but you know I'm not sure Sam Blees is an adequate replacement but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, Pure Orange, do you have anything to add there? Um, look, I I won't add a lot to what's been said about Mitch Brown. I do agree. Um, I I question where a player with his frame could really make it long term. I, I think, you know, he's and the shoulder injuries really made that very hard for him. But I don't think he was given a fair run at it. I think the Kirsten comparison is pretty fair. Like they just they pretty much parachuted him in as soon as he stopped being injured. Um, and Brown had to, you know, bang the door down for twelve weeks at VFL level and get a couple of games and go out. So I I'm not I don't think it'll come back to bite us, but I don't think he was really given a good run. I think for me with Taylor Hunt, um, I think he could be a decent player, but I think he's probably, you know, at best a filler. 
Um, you know, Guthrie went past him as a midfielder this year. Um, I think Jed Buse will go past him as a defender next year. My, my criticism with Hunt is not so much that he's gone. It's more, and I think I talked about it at the start of the year, but more the fact that he wasn't traded last year. Like, I think Geelong sometimes, and TJ touched on it with, you know, how long can you keep Brown? I feel sometimes we're very slow to move on players who have value. Um, and I look at, you know, Hawthorne doing things like, you know, turning turning surplus guys like Renouf into Brad Hill. Um, and I question why. And they did the same thing with West. You know, they held on to him for an extra 12 months when they didn't really want to play him and ended up getting yeah. a lot less. And we've done the same thing now with Hunt. So from that point of view, I question it. I think... You know, he should have been traded last year when he undoubtedly had value um, in terms of trade value. Um, but I don't I don't think they'll come back to bite us too much. That's a good summary. Um, the last group of players never really managed to break into the side whatsoever. That's George Burberry, Joel Hamling, and first-year rookie Nick Burke. And I'll go back to you, Pure Ownage, to uh, kick us off with these guys. Yeah, so I suppose um, probably you would say that... Um, with all three of those were a surprise to some degree. Um, Burberry, we all know, got elevated off the rookie list last year. Um, he was quite good in an ab cut until he broke, uh, obviously broke his jaw. Then he came straight back in and I think he played six or seven consecutive weeks. And I think the major knock on him from a few of us was that he, he couldn't seem to really hit the scoreboard, um, a bit like McCarthy struggled with early on. But... Um, he was a good defensive player. He he did, and we have had issues with not really having a defensive forward um, for a few years. Um, and he did a few good jobs there, but then he got injured, I think, um, round eight or nine, and then spent the rest of the year injured. And I was a bit surprised he was delisted, but I think, I think unfortunately, Burberry was probably a casualty, and this is something we'll talk about later, but he was a casualty of the fact that we've got a lot of other injured guys on the list that we've chosen to retain, your, your Menzels and your Vardys and your Dawson Simpsons and so on. I think in an ideal world, you probably would have given him another year, but there's only so many guys who are injured that you can do that with. Um, and he probably had less upside than the others. Um, Hamling and Burke were more surprising, particularly me for Hamling. Um, we haven't had a lot of, obviously, young key defenders, and we've just um, delisted Brown, who was quite good at centre-half back for a while there. Um, and I thought Hamling was progressing fairly well in the VFL. So it's surprising to see him cut because it is a bit of an area of the list that we do need to strengthen. Um, but... You know, I defer to the club on that. And I, I saw Burke play a couple of times at VFL this year and he did kind of strike me a bit as kind of David Johnson, sort of like a guy who was reasonably hard at it and you loved his attitude, but I'm not really sure how much ability was there. So that one didn't really surprise me, but Hamlin did. TJ, do you have anything to add there? Uh, not really. On on Burke, um, I'd, I'd sort of thought... I can claim him as the one guy I suggested we might draft last year and then he gets delisted after a year, which, you know, further confirms my expertise. Um, he, I just, I, I don't want to pot other posters again, but um, Mito, you know, said when we delisted him, oh, I can't believe we're getting rid of a tall, fast wingman. And, and, and I think that's a thing. On paper, he looks like a really promising player. And I, and I thought this when I was watching him for country. Uh, and he, but he just never he never translated that promise um, into into the goods on the field. Like I, I think 
Pio's right, you know, a, a good player, but maybe maybe not up to it at, at um, AFL level. And SJ, before we move on? Uh, I won't comment on Hamling or Burke because I didn't see them enough, but I um, I don't think Burberry should have ever been upgraded in the first place because I think he was a real goer at VFL level, but if you're going to play as a forward, you've got to bring tricks to the table. And I saw him play in the resis a lot, and he kicked a few goals and laid a few tackles, and he, you know, jumped for a few courageous marks, but... Um, I don't think he ever had anything special to bring to the table as a forward at senior level, and um, it's a to me it's not surprising that he got he he got delisted. It's surprising that we upgraded him last year and then he got delisted. Yeah. Um, moving on to this year's trade period, and we'll start with one of the most talked about players the board has ever seen in Travis Varco, who was traded to Collingwood as part of a three-way trade, which ultimately saw us receive Mitch Clark in exchange. Uh, P.O., we'll go to you to start this off. Yeah, well, at the risk of making Mito happy, um, a lot of the board will be happy <laughs> that trade's gone through. Um, look, I have mixed feelings on the trade. I think... Um, it's a difficult trade for me to sum up in a couple of minutes because I think um, Varco's departure has as much to do with non-football stuff as it did how he played this year. So more things like he was a free agent next year and I think I heard his interview after he went to Collingwood and clearly he was looking for a longer-term deal and um, some financial security um, family-wise, and Geelong wasn't really prepared to commit to that at this stage. And when I look at guys like, you know, Hawkins and Caddy and some of the others we'll talk about out of contract next year, I can understand that. Um, I really love Trav, and I think he's a really good player. I think he's been very harshly treated on the board for many years. Um, and I think we will probably actually miss him more than we realise. But I can kind of understand from the club's perspective why they weren't pushing him out the door, but they were prepared to let him look at offers and they weren't prepared to, you know, kind of commit to matching what some other clubs were offering him in terms of deals. Um, I think the... I, I know we'll talk a bit more about Mitch Clark, but I think getting him for Trav is probably about as good a trade as I could have hoped for. So I'm disappointed to see Travis go and I'll be interested to see who comes into that spot next year because we don't really have a lot of those kind of wingman types. Um, but I think I think we've done okay from the trade, and you know I, I hope he does well at Collingwood um, because you know he's he's um, you know back in 2011, Varco was an awesome awesome player, um, and really it's pretty much been injuries since then. He hasn't lost the talent, so I think he'll do I think he'll do well there. We talked about earlier um, how Geelong have a habit of hanging on to players one year long and Travis Varco was one player there was talk he would possibly go to Adelaide um, one of the Adelaide clubs last season but then they've hung on to him that extra season um, he's had an up and down year in the AFL but then we've ultimately got Mitch Clark for him and on the Mitch Clark th- side of things I'm very happy to see this trade go through so on that side I guess it's it's almost been a win here um, TJ do you have anything to add there? Um, no I pretty much agree with what P.A. said I think um, yeah, sad, sad to see Trav go and, and at his best he was a great player and, and I think yeah probably unfairly maligned but as we discussed in the last podcast you know he um, he he wasn't he wasn't even when he was playing well in the final series this year he wasn't the kind of player we needed him to be or he was being paid to be or was was sort of on the list to be so um, I think it made sense to sort of move him on um, for the right for the right asset and and yeah I'm I'm pretty optimistic about Mitch Clark I mean who knows he could break his foot in 
preseason and and then when <laughs> you know it's a disaster but just our luck yeah yeah well exactly like it'll it'd be pretty true to form so far but you know potentially he could be a really 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 important player for us next year and 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 be the difference between us being a sort of fringe final side and and being top four again so SJ yeah I agree with the above <laughs> Um, moving on to, it wouldn't be a trade podcast if we didn't speak about him, but Alan Christensen heading to Brisbane in exchange for pick 21. Um, absolutely blindsided all Geelong supporters as far as I'm concerned. Um, SJ, what are your thoughts on this one? Who? (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? Never heard of him. No, um, gosh, it almost feels like it never happened now. I still actually can't believe it. Um, picked up about 4,000 posts in about a week on the thread on Big Footy though. Most of the posts we've had in one thread about one topic. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. Um, oh, look, you know, we didn't really have... Um, our hands were tied, weren't they? So he, he's yeah. out of contract. Not quite sure why that was. Clearly, something had been brewing. Um, uh, he names, what, one state or one club, and we've got no leverage. So, look, pick 21. Uh, there was a lot of talk on the board that that wasn't enough. To be honest, I thought we could have done, we could have actually got less than that. So, given those circumstances, um, and given that he's actually got some sort of significant chronic back problem, it's not a bad deal. I'm really sad to see him go because I think he's a rare package of inside and outside midfield with, you know, potentially yeah. eight years left in his career or, you know, more. Um, and he's Geelong through and through. <coughs> Sorry. And he's played. <laughs> <laughs> I just swallowed a fly. I'm not crying. Um, and he's... Um, <laughs> it's okay, mate. You know, I know. But, like, you know, he's a, premiership, he's a premiership player as well. Like, I, I did... I looked back through the records when this happened that day and I think it was only, I think, four uh, wanted players have walked out on Geelong in, since 2001 or something. Um, yep. He was the fourth. So, you know, I think it was Mumford, Ablett... Um, and who was the other one? Someone else. Um, yeah, so look, it doesn't happen very often, particularly for a premiership player and at that oh, age. Oh, Laidlaw? Oh, yeah, maybe. Well, um, Prismal, but anyway. <laughs> oh, Prismal, that was it, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, Brisbane's adding huge depth to their midfield, um, but we'll just have to make do with pick 21 and then, you know, obviously we on-traded for someone else. This one is... Um Christensen is just an absolute was I should say just an absolute favourite son of Geelong in my eyes, and he was someone that you just you never even considered the possibility of him leaving. Like he'd said in interviews so many times, like how much he loved this club. Um, he was just an absolute perfect fit. He seemed like he was great mates with other players. There's been rumours going around about the reasons for him his departure, which we won't go into obviously. But um, I'm just absolutely shattered to see him go. As for the trade, pick 21. Um, I guess given the circumstances, like SJ said. Um, it's probably fair, but considering his value to our club and our current situation with midfielders, it is absolute unders as far as we're concerned um, because like, there's no pick Brisbane could have given us that would have been adequate compensation to the hurt that losing Christensen in the short term will um, will cause us. Um, what do you think, Pierre? Yeah, look, I would agree with that. I'm, um, I mean, obviously... I, like a lot of us, would love to know what has really precipitated it because it really blindsided me. And, I mean, obviously, we don't know the full story and bits that we do know we we won't discuss tonight. Um, But, yeah, I think um, I'm... 
on a trade level, it's definitely unders. Like, I mean, I remember there was a thread that I was reading where someone was talking about we were trying to get pick three from Melbourne, which was never, you know, never going to happen, mind <laughs> you. And some people were throwing up saying, look, well, why don't you trade Christensen in the first rounder to get pick three? And everyone was like, no, 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 no. He's too important, which I agree with. And then we end up getting pick 21. So that kind of puts yeah. it in perspective for you. But the circumstances... I don't really blame the club much. I think it's mainly the decision of the player and his manager. Like, he was uncontracted. Brisbane had a pretty early preseason pick. They weren't willing to deal with the Gold Coast. We didn't really have much choice. It was that or nothing. So um, I'm pretty shattered to see him go. And I think it is, um, you know, of all our young midfielders other than Josh Caddy, he really had the most potential. Um, and so it's a huge loss. It can't be understated. But I don't think there's much we could have done. Yeah, TJ. Oh yeah, I mean you know ag- agree with all of that in terms of the trade and and I guess we in the last podcast we waxed lyrical about how important he was to the midfield, sort of getting a bit more competitive um, next season and and now that's all just out the window. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, I I am I will possibly cry like he like he was <laughs> just such a fantastic player to watch and you know. As you said, he loved the club. He even he even slagged Dermot Brereton publicly in what was probably my highlight of 2014, <laughs> and that's all gone now. And yeah, I'm just and then and then we picked Reece Stanley. We used it on Reece Stanley, which oh, yeah, I'm not super happy about. It's a segue there. Well, well, good segue because <laughs> you can kick us off with Reece Stanley, um, who we gave pick 21 to bring to the club there, TJ. I just, I guess, I guess I'm not big on this for both because I don't particularly rate Stanley as a player and um, I don't I don't like I don't super like the idea of sort of trying to turn athletes into footballers and I guess the other yeah. thing is I don't um, again we talked about this in the last podcast I'm I'm not as convinced as other people that that a ruckman is this solution to our um, midfield woes and mm. so even if he represents an improvement in ruck I'm not sure I'm not sure it will do more to improve our midfield than spending pick 21 on one of the midfielders that probably would have been available there um, would have. I, I guess if I want to find a silver lining, the big knock on McIntosh at the end of last year was that he that he couldn't go with opponents around the ground, and I think Stanley should be able to do that. And I guess if you if you think that a really crucial part of being a ruckman is being able to take marks um, in both 50s, like which I guess is sort of what makes Sandilland such a great ruckman is he can take those huge towering marks um, on either goal line, then Stanley might be able to do that, someone who's able to do that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not thrilled. The best part of this um, for me is the point you touched on there, taking away from taking the pressure away from McIntosh or Simpson, um, much publicised how injury-prone they are, as the number one ruck, and letting Stanley as the number two ruck you know, McIntosh or Simpson can be subbed out at three-quarter time without leaving someone like Mark Blitzarves or Josh Walker as the number one ruck for the rest of the game in a final. Um, and having someone like... I, I think it'll be so valuable to have someone like Stanley there, still a very solid, um, competitive ruckman, 100% of the time, always at the, at the centre bounces there. Um, SJ? Yeah, I, I guess then it, it sort of you've got to think about where Walker and Blitzarves go if they're, if they're not playing the ruck at all. Um, oh, look... I, I don't really understand some of these moves. I think someone's got to have to be pushed into defence somewhere. I'm not sure where that comes from, but if the deck chairs <laughs> are reshuffled, um, I, I sort of feel like one of these tall players is going to have to be a defender because we've got so many of these half-ruck, half-forward types, 
and very few tall defenders. Um, someone probably knows the list a little bit better than me, but look, that's where I think it sits. Um, Stanley sort of fits into this trade mold, well, this trade um, method that we've seen it going for it, which is um, potential is first, uh, durability second, and maybe even results third. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, like Stanley's got lots of potential, and Mitch Clark's got lots of potential and lots of upside, but um, will we actually see it? Well, we'll see. It's a, it's a <laughs> dirty, dirty word, upside. I know. Like, actually, nothing, my, nothing my super coach team more. is called upside, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the downside. And, uh, P.O., do you have anything to add on Stanley before um, we move on? Yeah, look, I I wouldn't be that worried about the durability. I think I think I read in one of the St. Kilda threads, he played... He's had hamstring issues. Played, he had previously, obviously, that's why you didn't see much of him in the first couple of years, but I think he's played 36 or 37 games in the last two years. So that's not a major issue. I think for me, um, I'm a bit with TJ. He is an inconsistent player, but I've watched some St. Kilda games and he actually does have a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and we talked about, you know, someone like Mitch Brown, for example, having all the talents in terms of being able to mark mark the ball and really good skills below his knees for a bloke that big. Stanley's got all that, but he's actually got the body as well. Um, but it's a, it's a risky trade. For me, the more the issue is how they're going to use him. I'm not I'm not as attached as TJ was to pick 21. My theory is where our list is at, you know, pick 21 was going to take a while and trading it for a mature player is not actually a bad idea. I'm not against it. It's more how they're going to use him because I think we clearly need, and SJ touched on this, we clearly need a Ruckman more than we need another, like, half-forward Ruckman. Um, And so if they come out and say, he's going to play in the Ruck, this is how we're going to use him, I'll feel a lot happier about the trade. So I'm reserving my judgment on that one until, because I think we're all a little bit confused as to, you know, where Clark will play and where Stanley will play. I think when we know, it'll be a bit clearer. Well, as Joe said off air, um, depending on which way you look at it, we've got a whole heap of Ruckmen or very, very few. Correct. <laughs> I And I agree with that. And I still concur that, um, I, I see where TJ's coming from. It's not our biggest issue, but it is a big issue. Like I... I um I'm you know we we'll talk about it later, but I'm still vaguely crying over the North game and just watching Tol Godstein slaughter us and then take the match-winning mark when we were absolutely coming, um, oh. you know, with two minutes to go, and you know we we need a ruckman like dogs balls. We've really <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I should just uh, put the explicit filter on this podcast. <laughs> And we have so many of them, it's just they get injured so much. So let's hope Stanley's not going to be another one. Let's hope he's going to be durable. That is the best description of our ruck situation I've ever heard. Um, moving on to the draft pick swap. Um, the little switcheroo that Wellesley likes to do, it was picks 14 and 35 in exchange for 10 and 47 coming our way. Um, Jester, our resident draft guru, what do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, well, so we'll go into specifics on players um, in a draft preview podcast. We'll hopefully do in a few weeks. But I guess I guess when I was sort of looking at it and gaming out potential um, draft orders, the thing that struck me is, like, you look at the list, especially with Christensen going, you think, okay, we need midfielders. And we need, we don't just need midfielders, we need top-line midfielders, you know, guys who can win their own footy and, and have great disposal and basically can do it all. Yeah. Um, but then... But then it was hard not to think that moving up to 10 had suddenly put us in the frame to grab a key defender. 
which has sort of been like every year since about 2010 on the board. You know, when people say, what do we need in the draft? It's been, we need a key defender and, and we need a big key defender. Um, and with the sort of exception, like Hamling was sort of his project player. Um, Colin Jasney has looked good, but people think he's maybe a bit undersized. Um, whereas there's a couple of players like um, Goddard and Durden um, in particular who, um, who, who are that big sort of 196 centimetre 197 centimetre range who could who could mature into the really big dominant key defender we haven't really had since um, well actually that's not fair to Lonigan but that we haven't had since Egan so you know it's they claim they they basically did it on a whim to go oh how nice would it be to have a top ten pick we haven't had yeah. one since 2006 that's a little hard but to surely believe. they've got someone in mind yeah, yeah. That, that's a little hard to believe and it may be that they don't necessarily have a specific player in mind they just but they do think that they need to be ahead of um, Freo and West Coast so so yeah. yeah it was an interesting move I guess the other thing it says is that they they basically think any anything taken in the last couple of rounds of the draft is going to be pretty speculative okay yep um, last of all we'll move on to a player who's pretty much signed, sealed and delivered to the club uh, but yet to be officially announced in Sam Blees, former Melbourne player um, absolute speedster from all reports um, delisted at the end of this season and we'll go to SJ to kick us off here yeah Sammy Blees um, <laughs> look, let's face it we're not experts on Melbourne players who watches their games um, yep. but we seem to like them so um, Paul Roos you got any more going we're taking them all um, I know. Actually, noticed the uh, Geelong Facebook account last week said something like, "Are you looking forward to having more Melbourne players on the list?" And I just thought <laughs> that was the point when they were just actively trolling us. Um, <laughs> no, look, look, Sam Blees. I mean, he sort of is fitting into that mould of the players we're cutting, isn't he? So he's in that early to, to mid twenties age range, um, midfield, bit of pace, question marks on maybe kicking ability. Um, and in some ways, that sounds like a lot of the players we've just cut. Um, however, he has shown that he's quite lively at senior level. Um, I note that he's got a fair bit of run and carry about his game. Um, seems to take a lot of bounces. Averages 1.8 bounces a game. Um, he's played quite a lot of games as sub, so that's quite a lot. And that's the sort of stuff that Varco was doing for us for a couple of years. I think I talked about that in the last podcast. Um, mm. And th- we lost that run when he went into the back line in the last year or so. So... Look, we're not going to be giving up much for him in terms of money, um, obviously giving up nothing in terms of trade value. Um, we'll be using, basically, it's effectively, instead of using our pick in the 70s, our draft pick in the 70s. So um, yeah. the powers that be, obviously, see something there. He hasn't fit in at Melbourne. Um, only played two games this year. Um, but, again, potential. Um is there the one thing I do note just having a look at his stats here is he uh, he started off in Guernsey number 46 and then moved to 17 which is very much like another little speed so we used to have down at the Cats so um, interesting yeah, yeah we'll watch that Complete one with dodgy foot skills <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is he a left foot or a right foot I'm not sure does he have this a, is how much we know about the kid foot, is the... well yes I remember <laughs> that would be desirable Shannon kicked a goal on the right once and I think it was from a metre out but you know it happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, TJPO, do either of you have anything to add on, please? Oh, look, um, I, I'm not massively um, 
clued up on Sam Lee's. I watch a lot of plays, but I try not to watch Melbourne games. They are pretty terrible. Um, yep. You know, but I I think I mentioned when I was asked about Varko before that I felt that he would leave a bigger hole than, than we realised. And what I meant was, you know, even at his worst, Travis provided a lot of run and carry and link up. And, you know, we lack that off halfback. We carry a quite slow defence. Um, we'll lose Varko off a wing. We don't have, a, other than probably Motlop when he's at his fittest, he can cover a lot of ground. We don't have a lot of players like that. So I am not, um, I don't have very high expectations of Blaze. I'm not, I'm not really expecting it's kind of going to do as well as Simkin did for Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. But if we were going to take a flyer on, you know, someone in the 70s, I'm at least glad they've identified the right need. I don't know if he's the yeah. right player, but I think it's yeah. the right need. Your point on Varco, even at his worst there, I think is interesting because Varco for a long time has sort of averaged, you know, 10, 12 disposals. If Blees can give us what Varco has been giving us consistently for the last two seasons, like, does he have the potential to at least give us what Varco's been giving um, when he's been poor? That's that's the question I'm asking because if so, we've broken even on losing Varco, bringing in Blees, and hey, we've got Mitch Clark. And he's probably not costing much in terms of cash no, either. that's true. It'll probably take one yeah. year and very little money. So that's a, not a bad way to look at it either, I suppose. And TJ, do you have anything, anything to add before we wrap up? Oh, just that it's an interesting case study, isn't it? Because, I mean, we've got, um, we were saying off air that um, Sam Blees is, is one of two players to have two Rising Star nominations. And yeah. the other one is Jordan Gisbert, who, of course, debuted against Geelong and played an absolute cracker for Melbourne. And then, and then sort of was in and out of the side and played another good game and, and was traded to North and then was never heard of again. And, it's, yeah. and, and, you know, it was pick 14 or something. And so I guess it's just this interesting thing of Blease was really highly rated as a junior. He breaks his leg kicking a footy at school the year after he was drafted. Has never really reached the heights um, that his draft position would suggest. And so is it, is it talent that got broken by the circumstances at Melbourne or was it just that Melbourne... Um, overestimated his talent in the first place and the fact that we're into him suggests um, we think you know the talent is there it just needs to be nurtured in the right way so I guess we'll see there's an interesting little backstory here I think it was you TJ was saying just off air Um, he was taking a pick 17 in 2008 when of course we took Mitch Brown at 15 and we were actually talking to him at 15 Uh, I can't take credit for that that was was PO but um, oh that was PO yeah but yeah yeah and um, and yeah, there's an interesting. It's it's an interesting draft in that it was so highly rated going into it. You know, everyone was talking up as the next big super draft, and then you know Jack Watts at pick one. Um, <laughs> my, uh, Michael Hurley has sort of, you know good player, but has maybe stagnated a bit. Yeah, Mitch yeah. Mitch Brown who who got picked on the basis that he was he was dominating um, a dragon side ahead of Watts, and and Tom Lynch is another one who maybe hasn't kicked on and. And yeah, Blees and, and James Strauss. Um, and Joel Makers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So lots of, you know, lots of talent that perhaps hasn't hasn't come through. But so yeah, anyway, Blees, I, I guess we'll see. Just on anyway, uh, just on Blees oh, sorry, and Stanley, on. if we just get yeah. one extra uh, sprinter, add them into Murdoch and we get the four by one at the grand final next year. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the four by one relay in or I like it. We've got a lot of um Athletes turn footballers at the moment, don't we? Oh, that's 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 a hot topic on the board at the moment. Yeah, how are their running patterns? <laughs> <laughs> Not as good as Blitz. 
<laughs> anyway, on that note, I think we'll wrap up the uh, Big Footy Cats trade review podcast. Um, thanks very much for joining me, guys. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for the draft preview, I think. Looking forward to that. Yes, um, excellent. Yep. Thanks very much for joining me, guys. Thank you, Gyson. And also, if you've ever, um, if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to get more information about the Cats' upcoming drafting, remember to check the uh, Geelong Big Footy board. See the Jester's wonderful uh, preview to the national draft. I think yep. he's done that what five years in a row now, Jester. Hey, he picked Nick Burke last year, so um, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Um, but you find it's a one-stop shop. You find all the information there, and um, we'll be covering it again on the night as well as on the upcoming podcast. Good stuff. All right. Um, That's us done for the night. We'll uh, see you next time. See ya. See ya. See ya.